Well, hey guys, uh, welcome in. Uh, today we wanted to have kind of a conversation around a lot of the stuff that's going on in our country today, uh, especially within our city, around the, the country especially. Um, and so I wanted to bring in a guest with us. You may recognize him from our uh, video last week with the pastors on the sermon discussion, but Pastor Jermichael Jordan uh, over at the Village Church. Uh, um, Jermichael, you want to introduce yourself? I think you did a great job. Perfect. Yes. But I'll just repeat it. I'm Jermichael Jordan from the Village Church. Nice. That's it. Nice. <laughs> um, but what we wanted to do is, like, we wanted to bring in other voices so that we can have a conversation around uh, the topic of race, the topic of reconciliation especially. Um, but we wanted to gear this towards students. Um, we hear a lot going on from adult perspectives. We see a lot going on from a, a societal, uh, a even political perspective, but that kind of jumps over the head of students a lot of times. And we both work with students on, on a regular basis. And so we wanted to kind of gear this towards how do students respond to the things that are going on in our society. Um, and so kind of the, the first thing I wanted to kind of look at, um, you know, I don't think there's any way that you can reasonably make an argument that this is not a conversation people have to engage in. Absolutely. Um, but I think... You know, just for the sake of arguments and for the sake of kind of setting the the, the discussion on the right path, mm. why is this a conversation that we need to engage in, specifically for us white students? Why why mm. do we need to engage in this conversation? So first of all, I think that's a, that's a, that's a great question. Mm. I think it's important that we have this conversation, period. I think everybody should have this conversation. But to be more specific with your question, mm. I think it's important that we have these type of uh, discussions when it comes to race and different ethnicities uh, with, with each other yeah. because it's inclusive. We live in a world where we're all here together. So I think it, it becomes, we do ourselves an injustice and a disservice when we try to avoid the pink elephant in the room. Yep. And so that's why I love our relationship so much. I'm one of those, I, I tell you, shoot it to me straight. You yep. know what I mean? Because that's the type of friendship that we have. I don't yep. judge you for what you say to me and vice versa. Yep. And if you say something that might be offensive, I say, hey man, Chris, I probably wouldn't say it that way. You know <laughs> no, what I mean? But no. I know there's nothing behind it yeah. because you're just trying to learn. Yeah. But I think it's important for white students uh, to have this conversation because you have to understand that history mm. literally means his story. And yes. so whenever you grow up in a country and you grow up in, in America yeah. and you take history courses, you're literally learning history from one side of the story. Yeah. And of course, if you're China, you're going to want to tell the story where it makes China look good. We're not yeah. so bad. If you're yeah. America, you're going to tell in a way that America, it wasn't so bad. Yeah. And so what happens when you uh, only rely on the his story that you learn in mm -hmm. Uh, school, public education, or private education, you're only going to get a certain amount of information, but then you also, uh, you miss out on the details. You yep. miss out on the ones who actually had to endure the experience. Yep. And so a lot of times uh, the history books will tell you uh, a wide, vague view of that moment. Yep. And if you don't have the conversation with those who have endured the traumatic experience for years, generation after generation, you fail to hear that story and you fail to see the sensitivity of this moment. Mm. And so I think that it's important that we have this conversation, especially with me and you, yeah. uh, because it gives you opportunity to ask me questions that you might never even had to think of, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, situations you never dealt with. And so it just it just probably wouldn't stick or make sense to you. Yep. Does that make sense? Oh, no, totally. I, I love, like, the history aspect of yeah. it because, like, I was a history major in college. Mm -hmm. And so when I when I got to college, I knew 
kind of that that perspective. Right. It's like there, there's a quote: um, "History is written by the victors." Mm. And so, when you win in history, you get to write the story. <laughs> and you know, historically, we have been the winners in a lot of way. Yeah. But that that's merely in in the sense of like uh, we get the opportunity to write the story out, um, and not so much in the way that the story has actually been played out mm-hmm. historically. Uh, and perfect. so, yeah, I, I love that perspective, getting to getting to see the the fullness of yeah. history, um, and getting to see you know what's fact versus what's recorded. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's so important. Um, and so, yeah, I, I agree totally. Uh, I think, you know, as I think about me personally, like as a white guy, um, mm-hmm. as somebody who enjoys white privilege, um, mm-hmm. which is something that is not like this is something I've seen recently um, that I think is really critical to understand about white privilege. I saw this thing the other day. Um, Andre Gray, you know, at the mm-hmm. uh, he's at the Austin Stone, okay. one of their campus pastors. Andre Gray is at this huge rally out in Austin. And uh, the speaker was like, you know, crowd, multi-ethnic crowd. And he's like, all right, who here, like white brothers and sisters, who here is ready to give up your white privilege? (laughs) And all these, like, all these people just stand up and they're like, yeah, like, (laughs) we're ready. And there was this dude standing by Andre Gray, this, this, like, guy that he was with, I guess. And it was Uh like a a black guy that he was, he was um, at the, the rally with. And he goes, no, like <laughs> use that. Yeah. Use what you've got. Yeah. Use what you've got. And I was like, man, that's that's so true because like it's not enough to to lay aside the tools that we have yeah. and to say I'm going to take up a different tool belt. It's yeah. look at your tools and yeah. then see how you use these things in order to make a world that is better down the road. Um and, yeah. But that's kind of what makes this moment in history so phenomenal. Yep. Because what we're talking about today, whether it be the George Floyd, whether it be the Ahmaud Arbery, this is nothing new to the African-American community. Nope. This is nothing new. This is literally our daily yep. our daily walk. Like This is what we have to do with every day. Yep. But it wasn't until white America has gotten a hold to it yep. and they're standing with us that now people are actually paying attention, right? Yep. Uh, before, you got to remember, before there was a George Floyd, there was an Ahmaud Arbery, there was Emmett Till, yep. there was uh, Trayvon. Trayvon Martin, yep. there was a Sandra Bland, there were so many, Eric Garner, there were so Brianna many. Brianna Taylor. Of, we keep going yeah. over day, over 100. I think I did, I, I looked up something, within the last 10 years, there's been over 100 murders of African Americans due to the hands of um, police officers, just white privilege, if you would yeah. say. Yeah. And so, I think... Don't give up that white privilege. Nope. We need that. We yeah. need whatever tool you can have in our belt to yep. speak up because um, you're in boardrooms. You're in certain rooms that yep. maybe those who look like me may not be in. Yeah. You uh, you have certain abilities to speak to the police officers uh, kind of how you want to sometimes. Yep. And, and it's accepted. Yep. If you were to uh, get frustrated and pulled over for a ticket, and he, why are you pulling me over? Sometimes yeah. they'll explain it to you. Yeah. If oh, I yeah. say it. Put your hands on the steering wheel, yep. get out of the car, yep. face down, without yep. question. And so use whatever you have. Uh, white privilege, uh, it's, it's crazy, but white privilege, it's yours. Yeah. But you learn how to use that to help your brothers in need. And yep. so that's that's good. Yeah. Yeah, good. man, I, I love it. Um, so you know, we're in the context of the church. Right. Um, we are followers of Jesus by how we have self-identified, that, that's become our identity. And so mm-hmm. as followers of Jesus, I know that like we can, 
we can go to the public square, we can go to politics, we can go to social things. But if we go to these arenas without the context of scripture, without, you know, scripture to guide us in those conversations, I think that they kind of they kind of fall short, yeah. uh, especially for the way that we see ourselves as primarily followers of Jesus. And so, yeah. like when when you think of how do we deal with this issue, how do we uh, play a part in solving this problem? Yeah. Where do we go in Scripture to see not just what what we think about it, mm. but what God says about it? How do, how does He view His His people collectively, not just white people, black people individually, but how does he see the world collectively? Where, where do we go in scripture for that? Absolutely. And you made a, a great point. Uh, before you do anything, you got to you gotta go to God first, see what okay. he says about it, see what the word says about it. Um, because if not, sometimes you can get caught up and act out in flesh. Yep. Whenever we get in flesh, whenever we get in our own way, mm-hmm. uh, we can be destructive, more yeah. destructive and, and hurt a situation than we can make it better. Yeah. Uh, but for me, when it comes to uh, just the word of God and how it applies to just people in general. Uh, call it cliche if you want, but I'm going to John uh, three sixteen. Yeah. <laughs> For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that mm. whoever uh, believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So mm. that is the word. Yeah. That's 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 God's word. And what I love about it is that He didn't say who's ever white. <laughs> mm. He didn't say who's ever black. He did no. not say who's ever uh, green, orange, or yellow. He said no. whoever. No. And so if God does not put a uh, a color on it, mm. why do we tend to do that? Yeah. Uh, and I think that we've seen that historically, where they say, well. Uh, God loves the white man, and that's why if you look at slavery, even yeah. slavery, when slave masters would teach the word of God to, to slaves, they would teach in a way where it says, honor thy master, right? But now we have learned that honoring my master is Christ, my yep. master. Yep. And so <clears throat> knowing the word in its true context mm. is, is what's so powerful. Yeah. And so not only does God say that whoever uh, loves whoever believes in me should have everlasting life, but then he also, I remember in, in the Bible in Luke 10, yeah. where Jesus talks yep. about the, uh, the, parable, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Yep. Here you have a, a lawyer who's uh, an expert in the law and yep. what the word says, mm. but yet he's questioning Jesus Christ with how to apply it yep. in his real life. Yep. So the lawyer says, um, how do I uh, inherit eternal life? Mm. How, how do I inherit the kingdom? So Jesus says, well, first you have to love thy God, thy father, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Mm. And then above all else, love thy neighbor as you would love yourself. Yep. And so the lawyer thinks that he's smart. He says, well, who's my neighbor? Yep. And Jesus tells the parable about the good Samaritan mm. to where here was this man who was beaten, robbed on a road. Mm. And while he's down there bleeding, fighting for his life, the priest comes by, takes a look at him, and keeps on walking. The Levite who goes to church, he knows the word, he knows scripture, again, looks at this man who's beaten, who needs help, and he walks by them. But then here comes the good Samaritan, who's actually uh, getting ready to help a man in whom historically they wouldn't even get along. Yeah. They hated each other. I mean, Jews and and Samaritans, they didn't didn't get along. But here this man does what the scripture says by mm. showing his heart, yeah. right? I don't care what he is. I don't care what his, as this, I don't care what his beliefs are. Yeah. Here's a guy who's in pain, who needs help. And it becomes my responsibility to lift him up. Yeah. And not only does he heal, uh, help heal him by uh, wrapping up his wounds. Mm. He even goes as far as giving him a place to stay. Yeah. And then says, 
if I come back in two days and if he has anything that he owes, I'll, I'll pay that. Yep. And that's what the heart of a Christian has to be. It mm. cannot see color. It cannot see uh, difference. We're, we're, nobody's ever going to agree on everything. Yeah. But if we can agree on Christ, yep. we're good to go. Yep. Yeah. Man, I, I love I love that you went to Luke 10 with it because mm. uh, I, I was actually thinking about that as I was preparing for this. And I thought, like, something, something that's unique about that story the the man who is injured, the man who has been hurt, mm-hmm. is not the man who would have typically been the oppressed one. Right. right. Like he, he almost flips the whole exactly. dynamic on its head and he says, No, look, I'm gonna put the Jew, I'm gonna put mm-hmm. the one who is the oppressor mm-hmm. onto the stage of being the one who's been beaten. Mm-hmm. And now it has to be the one who is traditionally oppressed mm-hmm. who comes along and shows what is neighborly. Absolutely. Like Jesus takes that whole paradigm and he says, you know what? No, like neighborly expression is not just from the one who is uh, above in the standard of society. Mm. It's not the one who has all of the advantages. It's the one who's going to come along who has none of those advantages. And yet, despite that, says, I'm going to love my neighbor because I know what scripture says. Not because I gain anything from it, not because this or that. Scripture compels me to do this. Mm. I have to do it because of what Jesus has said. I, I love Luke 10 in that way. Um, I always think of like Revelation 7. Mm. Like Revelation 7, you've got this great multitude yeah. of every tribe and tongue and people, yeah. and they're all going to be praising the name of God. Like I, I was listening to a, a Louis Giglio sermon that was back actually after um, the Emmanuel AME mm. uh, incident in... Um, uh, was it uh, uh, Charleston? Okay, yeah. yeah. The Emmanuel AME shooting in Charleston, and uh, Louis Giglio is kind of breaking this passage down, and he gets to this like kind of crescendo of the message, <laughs> and he's like, "Look, if you don't like thinking of or imagining a day when every tribe, tongue, and nation is going to be singing within your church together, <laughs> you will not enjoy heaven. You're not going to like heaven. You're not going to enjoy eternity. And so, like, bro, yeah. you need to get your priorities yeah. straight right now because, like, eternity's coming, and, and you're going to be in that place with those people. Yeah. Get used to it now. Because that You're right. that is God's creation. I think too, just like quickly, um, I, I was kind of looking through different scriptures because immediately my mind goes to Revelation seven mm-hmm. and Acts ten though. Mm-hmm. So uh, Acts ten, Paul gets uh, gets called to this house of a Gentile. Mm-hmm. Paul or not Paul, um, Peter. Peter. Yeah. Peter gets called to the house of a Gentile. And uh, God has told him in a vision that, you know, the message is going to the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. The the Gentiles are going to receive the Holy Spirit. And Paul's response is still steeped in a little bit of that, like, traditional, Mm -hmm. like, I'm a Jew, you're a Gentile, I can't associate with you. And yet, I'll have to look it up, uh, in in Acts 10, Mm -hmm. 34 and 35, Paul uh, enters this house. Let's see. Acts 10, 34 and 35. So Paul enters this house. He's come in. The first thing he says is, you know how unlawful it is for a Jew to be in the house of a Gentile. So he's still going back to this traditional stigma of I'm a Jew and you're a Gentile. Mm -hmm. 
But then Peter says, so Peter opened his mouth and said, truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And it's it's almost this moment, like on the spot, after Peter has already expressed some prior social restrictions or some social stigmas, Paul, like in that moment is like, wait, I know that my God shows no partiality. And anyone who does what is right in his eyes from any nation, from a nation that looks like me, from a nation that does not look like me, is acceptable to him. Like when God orders that proclamation on his creation, on people made in his image, in the Imago Mm -hmm. Dei, we have no right to say, well, but they have to look like me or, or they have to vote like me or they have to you know, conform to these sets and standards that my culture and my society has placed on them. They are God's creation. Absolutely. God sets that standard. Absolutely. I, man, but, I, I but, love it. But even look at this, and, and this is why this is so amazing to me because God doesn't have favoritism. He doesn't no. show favoritism. Mm. He doesn't show favoritism. And God also has a way of sometimes flipping the script, right? Mm-hmm. If you really look at the times that we're in right now, yeah. watch this. A few oh. years ago, there were, I'm sure there were groups of individuals mm-hmm. who would look down on people who maybe were working jobs minimum wage. They mm-hmm. weren't making much money. They, they would say things like, well, they should have went to school. They should have tried harder. They should have did this. They should have did that. Mm-hmm. And they're beneath me and da 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 But then God sends a pandemic, Right. Yep. That does not uh, only affect black people, does not only affect white people, but affects everyone. Mm. And then not only does he send a pandemic where people are getting diseases, but now food is scarce. Toilet paper is scarce. And so the same person who makes uh, hundreds of thousand dollars Mm -hmm. needs the same toilet paper that someone who's making minimum wage. So he has a way of evening the playing field. Mm -hmm. And then what I also saw was very recently. Now people are saying, thank you. To the, to the truck drivers. Yep. Thank you to the Walmart workers. Thank yep. you to the cashiers, because if it wasn't for you, then I wouldn't be able. You see what I'm saying? Yep. So, so God has a way of making humbling us to the point to where we realize that nothing matters mm. except for how we treat our fellow man yep. and how we honor him. So mm. that's amazing, bro. Mm. Man, we could end it right there. Like, <laughs> we could literally shut it off, but there's still more. There's we still, could, there's still but more. Wait, there's but more. Wait. <laughs> Man, I, I love that. That's so true that the way that God uses things that I'll be real, like I, I would never have thought about that yeah, until yeah. now. But like the way that he uses his sovereignty over our circumstances yeah. to say, you know what, like. I'm going to throw this out there, and you're not even going to think about me in it, yeah. most of you. Mm-hmm. And yet, this is what I'm doing because of it. Yeah. I, man, I, I love that. You can use anything for sure. So, so when we're thinking about, I guess, specifically with students mm-hmm. right now, so when we move from Christian as a whole, one of the things that I've noticed, and we kind of talked about this in the show, like or not the show notes, but like the the notes that we exchanged before this and looking at questions. Mm. So there's there's this trend that I see, and I don't know if you see it in like in your context, but there's this trend where I say I am a white Christian or mm. I hear from somebody else, I am part of the black Christian community or mm. even like the Asian Christian community, whatever. Yeah. I, I think that we've, for some reason, we've gotten that mixed up. We, we've put the priority in the 
in the wrong position right where we prioritize my my adjective as being white black hispanic whatever mm. and then i'm a christian mm. rather than saying <laughs> i am a christian who, who happens, happens to be, be. <laughs> blank yeah, like yeah. i feel like we do that so often in our mm. society because that's the way society works most yeah. times and so how how then can we change that conversation from saying I am this kind of Christian to I am a Christian first mm. and I allow my Christianity to influence every other part of my identity. How mm. how do we walk alongside students? Well, first of all, it's a choice. Yeah. <laughs> Above anything else, it's a choice uh, what you identify with. Mm. And hopefully I would pray that if you call yourself a Christian, you do identify yourself as a Christian first and everything mm. else becomes second. Because when you use terms like that, it becomes de- uh, divisive. You, 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 yep. you begin to separate yourself. Mm. And I think that's kind of where I, I think that's kind of where the church has to move. We have to get past titles. When you start thinking about the Pharisees, right? What made them was a title. I'm a mm-hmm. Pharisee. You are this. You're that. You're mm-hmm. not one of us. Yeah. There, there is no hierarchy when it comes to to Christ. Either mm-hmm. you love him, you serve him, you abide by him, or you don't. Yep. And so I believe when you start to take that on, mm-hmm. then naturally your heart begins to change, right? Mm-hmm. And you start to see people for who they are. So the best thing I can say is stop using the title. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a choice. Stop using the title. No longer mm-hmm. identify yourself is I am this. I'm a Christian. Yeah. Point blank period. Yeah. I don't know if I answered your question, but that's how I see it. No, I, I mean, that's that's so true. Like we, we I, even for me, so I know that, that my tendency personally is not to say I'm a white Christian. Like mm. I'm, I don't enjoy that kind of yeah, labeling, yeah. but my like my bend a lot of times is oh I'm in this theological camp mm. oh I'm a reformed Christian right. oh I'm a, a Calvinist yeah and <laughs> and that again is one of those moments where we divide rather than saying I'm a Christian like right. I, I follow after Jesus yeah. and like I I see that especially in like a lot of the churches that I've served in where mm. it's I'm going to identify myself first by my theology yeah. and not so much by the person of Christ. Right. And I think it's, it is. It's a choice. It's yeah. something that we have to enter a conversation in saying, if, if this comes up, yeah. like this is how I want people to know who I am. Um, I, yeah, I but, think that's... And then I also think you have to be, and that's why we as a church have to be very careful doing that because mm. we're now preaching to and ministering to a generation that doesn't know anything about that. Yeah. They don't know anything about that. Matter of fact, they don't even want to have anything to do with the church because of the reputation that it's had, right? Mm. And so as a person who's never been uh, a part of a church, they've never accepted Christ, and they want to, Mm. when you start throwing things like Calvinist, Reformed, Baptist, Methodist, Mm -hmm. it almost, it's scary. So you bag up from it, right? But if you come to somebody and you say, hey, listen, um, I know you might have been having a hard time. You may have been Mm. struggling with your faith, but I just want to let you know that Jesus loves you. Mm. And I want you to know that you can accept him as your personal savior right here, right now. Would you like to do that's so mm. much more simpler than yeah. what do you know about the word? What what <laughs> yeah. do you know about so what what is your theology on mm. this? How do you think? So do you think it, yeah. it's totally mm. it's it's totally a disservice to what God wants us to do. Yeah. And that's really just accept and follow him. Yeah. And so I get it. Yeah. But it's a choice, man. It's yeah. a choice. I think too, like one of the things that that's so great about this is yeah. that like this plays a part in it. It's mm-hmm. 
it's introducing students yeah. to the fact that like when you and I come together, yeah. it's not here's a white Christian and here's a black Christian and yeah. they're having a conversation. It's two brothers in Christ having a conversation with one another. I wish they could see our text thread, man. We yeah. like sending GIFs, <laughs> memes real. and stuff. For real. It's like, cool, man, I, that, that's really what it is. Yeah. And like, I, I know like historically I, I've had like friends that are in the, the black church and the black community yeah. and I would talk to them the same way that I would text my white friend yeah. because like they, I don't look at them as they're my black friend. I look mm-hmm. at them as they're my friend and then they're my brother in Christ. Yeah. And like, I want to have community and have relationship and have fellowship with them Absolutely. just as a brother in Christ, just as mm-hmm. a neighbor. And man, I think that's so critical in us reframing the conversation of how do I identify myself first and foremost as mm-hmm. either something socially constructed mm-hmm. or do I identify myself with something that's eternal, which yeah. is Christ himself. Absolutely. Yeah. Man, well, I know for me, so the, the thing that kind of generated all this, obviously, mm-hmm. is the stuff that's going on in society that, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people are attributing it to George Floyd. Yeah. Um, a lot of it's gone down immediately in the wake of George Floyd. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, like, when I saw the Ahmaud Arbery video, mm-hmm. that, like, that's that struck a nerve yeah. in a lot of ways because oh. I'm a runner. Like, <laughs> I, I go out on runs four yeah. days a week. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember watching his video and thinking of multiple instances where I'm in the exact same position. Oh, yeah. I'm running through a neighborhood that I don't live in, mm-hmm. that people don't know me in, and someone could have just as easily said, that guy looks suspicious. That guy has a tattoo yeah, that yeah. looks you know, sketchy. That guy's wearing all black when he runs. What's mm-hmm. he up to? Obviously, without the the construct mm-hmm. or like the the situation of my my skin color is different. Yeah. Like that's that is the one denominator that changes my story from his mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And so I remember watching the Maude Arbery video really shortly after this George Floyd's incident comes out, mm-hmm. and my first thought was like, "What do I do? Like yeah. what?" What, how do we address this? How do we stop this? How do we bring change about? And so how can, I guess, first we as Christians, but also like specifically, how do students enter into these conversations in that moment yeah. and then continue that conversation to a point where we can begin not just like saying that we want change, but actually seeing change mm-hmm. take place? Yeah. Well, first thing I would say as far as Christians is... Um, Let's stop preaching the gospel and let's start being the gospel. Mm. And so literally become the gospel that you proclaim to believe in. And mm. so there's there's no way that you can call yourself a follower of Christ. Mm. This drives me crazy, but there's no way you can call yourself a follower of Christ, mm. but then say someone who does not look like you don't deserve the same type of treatment or equality mm. that you receive on a daily basis. Yeah. Uh, if you really think about it, Jesus came back for the lowly. He mm. came back for those yep. who were oppressed, yep. right? He went to the temple flipping over tables. He was doing all, he was a radical Jesus, right? Yep. So he ruffled the feathers yep. of um, the system that was there before he got there. Mm. And that's kind of what this generation has to do. Yep. If you really look at it, man, I, I, even though with everything that is going on these mm. past few weeks, I can honestly say this is the first time where I've felt good about where we're going. Mm. Good about where we're going. Let me yeah. let me reframe. I do not condone violence. Mm. I do not condone looting. Mm. I do not condone uh, any type of violent 
activity or acts. I don't do. Mm-hmm. I don't. Not as a Christian, as a believer. I can't say I can't. And that's and that's crazy. That's like me saying I'm a Christian, mm-hmm. but then saying, well, America deserves it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. There may be some validity to it yeah, yeah. <laughs> for past history, yeah. but I wouldn't be be true. I wouldn't be true to my calling and what I yeah. profess to be. So I can't have a double standard. Yeah. And so I think the best way for us to do that is to live out the gospel that we proclaim to believe in. Mm. The second thing is have conversations like we're having. Yeah. We have to be open and honest. I've been very. Um, I felt so good about where this generation is, mm. and if I be honest, I really believe this generation will be the ones that get it right. Yeah. Or closest to it. Yeah. Because I think now what you're seeing is a group of kids who grew up in classes with their black friends, in classes mm-hmm. with their white friends. They grew up going to the same parties. They even mm-hmm. go to the same barbers. I got a yeah. couple guys that are just fresh with the buzz yep. cut and everything with the parties. <laughs> like, we share the same music. We like yeah. the same music. We like the same celebrities. We like the same music. Mm. All of this has bonded us together that you yeah. did not necessarily see in past time. Yeah. Even when I was talking to my father, he was telling me that when he grew up, it, w- it was right after segregation. Mm. So it was always that pink elephant. It was yeah. really awkward. Yeah. But now, man, you mean to tell me that I can love LeBron James? I can rock his sneakers? I can yeah. love Beyonce? I can love whoever you I don't know. I can yep. love Serena Williams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you mean to tell me when the foot is on their neck, mm. I can't speak up? So now what that does is that puts me in a bad situation when I'm living in a home with my parents and my grandparents who for years I've loved and I admired. Mm. But then when we sit at the dinner table, they say, well, they deserved it. Mm. So now that puts me in conflict. So what do you do with that as a youth? Mm. Like, This is the time as, a, as young people where you literally have to say, you know what? There's right mm. and there's wrong. Um, I will always respect those who, who've taught me, who have raised me, um, but maybe this is an opportunity for me to open their eyes in ways they've never seen it, right? Yeah. And so um, time out for do as I say, mm. not as I do, mm. but literally take on the responsibility to make your future better. Mm. What we have to realize, especially with this generation, is what you do today, what we create today mm. is going to be what the future looks like, yep. right? Yeah. So if we don't break the cycle now, mm-hmm then we're just going to repeat it over yep. and over and over and pass it again to generation to generation. Yep. And so I think the best thing, I talk around the world to get you back to your point. Yeah, so hey, your point is, no, what do we do? I'm with you. First of all, we have to educate ourselves. Yep. We have to educate ourselves. And that's what mm. I love about you so much. When, when this thing happened, uh, the first thing, Chris, you, you did was you texted me. You said, hey, man, I've already been doing my research. Yep. I've seen this movie. I've read this book. <laughs> I've read. This, I, I plan to read this book. Yep. Do you have anything else that yep. probably would help me better understand? Yep. And I gave you. Matter of fact, I believe you had more references than I had to give you, <laughs> which lets me know, like, okay, man, I need to brush man, up on some no. stuff that I haven't been reading <laughs> in a while. Yeah. But the intention, yeah. the intent that you had to do that on your own without having yeah. to be told, showed that you're in a place where you're like, okay, I have to learn because if I want to get better, yeah. I have to educate the things that I do not know. Yeah. So. Educating yourselves, asking questions, mm. being uncomfortable with the uncomfortable. Yeah. And especially if you're, if you're white, sometimes you may not feel comfortable going to your black friends and, and saying, hey, can you share this with me or can mm. you teach me this? But you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable because you have to sometimes put yourself in their shoes. We've been uncomfortable yeah. for a long time. Yeah. So you can give me 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Man. And then, um, so educate yourself. Uh, learn to be comfortable with the uncomfortable mm. and speak up and speak mm. out. That yes. is the biggest thing. And it goes back to what yeah. you were saying about right privilege. Mm. If you see injustice happening, if you're yeah. sitting in a room, I don't care how long you've been friends with 
this group or that group yeah. or even family members, right? Yeah. When you don't speak up, when you hear racist blunder, whenever you hear prejudice talk, things, yeah. whenever you hear uh, just things that, that Christ wouldn't approve of yeah. and you yeah. don't speak up, yeah. then you become a part of the problem. Mm. But you never know what you speaking up might do. It may not stop them from ever saying it, but it may stop them from saying it around you yeah. or it may make them think twice or it might just change their whole perspective. Yeah. So begin to speak up. Use your voice when you can. Yeah. Use your social media platform. Yeah. Um, stand up. If, if your friends are, are being mistreated, stand mm. with them. Yeah. Don't let them feel like they're alone. Mm. And the last thing I would tell you to do if you uh, are so fortunate is donate to uh, to organizations that yeah. are trying to fight change and injustice. There's yeah. one called Change for Color, uh, Color mm. for Change, yeah. that you can text 5515. Five five something like that. Text mm-hmm. George Floyd to five five one five five. Oh, yeah, if that's yeah. not the right number, I'll give it to you. I've seen it around town a little bit. Yeah. So what that does is, um, whenever there is issues concerning the African American community or mm-hmm. those of color, what it'll do is it'll send you a text to say, "Hey, you can sign this petition from mm-hmm. your phone, or you can donate to this organization. Mm-hmm. Whatever uh, means you have to fight against injustice, yeah. use it. Yeah, Man. use it." I love that. That's that's so true. I love like the 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 educating yourself one. Like yeah. that that has always been for me so critical because mm-hmm. like people people so often they kind of throw their hands up and mm-hmm. they say like I've received my education. But yep. like we said at the beginning of this, education comes from the perspective, especially for history, from the perspective of those who wrote it. Who wrote it? And and so we have to take the necessary means to educate ourselves in a way that is outside of bias and different perspectives and that is down to the simple facts of history. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, like when, when I texted you, I had like, <laughs> I mean, I've been, I've been doing this reading for a while and, and I'll tell you why. Yeah. It's because this, this affects my family personally. I have a wow. little brother that my family adopted wow. um, who, who is African-American living in rural Alabama. Wow. Not a great place to be. Uh, yeah. Uh, my sister, you know, eventually, um, hopefully soon, is going to have um, a, a fiance mm-hmm. who is part of the black community, part of the black church. That's cool. And you know, I, I look at those those two members of my family, and I think, especially with my little brother, he he has some issues from from when he was a baby, um, yeah. just with how his mom was doing things when she was pregnant. Yeah. And he has this this anger issue, yeah. this anger disorder that that came from things that were happening in the womb. And I think about that, how it, it would take one moment yeah. of him having this flare-up that is totally, yeah. like I was talking to my mom the other day, and she's like, I, I broke down in the doctor's office for one of his like therapy sessions just crying over it because I know yeah. this could happen to him yeah. very easily. And, and so I think about this, and I think, man, if – you know, my ten-year-old little brother is going to grow up in this world. Yeah. Then, I, I, as a twenty twenty-eight-year-old older brother to him, have to be sure that I do my part in seeing what I can do done yeah. and what everybody else around me can do is done. And you know, the same with with anybody else. Um, and so, I agree. Educating yourself is is so critical. There are tons of documentaries on Netflix, tons of documentaries on Hulu. 
books. Like I have a, a whole row of my bookshelf is dedicated to these books. Yeah. And if you ever want them, come to my office and I will snatch them off the shelf and hand them to you. Um, and, and, that, and that's so good, Chris. And I think that's, I'll say this too. Once you start to educate yourself and you begin to learn, you'll realize that it's bigger than color. The, what, yeah. what this whole fight is against when it comes to injustice and equality, it's not just about color of skin. Yeah. It's systematic. There's yeah. things put in place to hinder certain individuals. And I think yeah. that's when your eyes become open, when you realize yeah. that this is bigger than what I always thought it was. Yep. But it's but it's, but it's it's big. Yeah. I, let me correct this before because I don't yeah, want to yeah. forget it. Oh, the yeah, number no. is uh, 55... Text five five one five six George Floyd to five five one five six and that's color for, color of change mm. and um, yeah because I gave the wrong number earlier yeah no that's it. Um, <laughs> but yeah like educating yourself so critical um, engaging in uncomfortable conversations yeah. that I tell my students that all the time and and I'll be real when I texted you yeah. I, I was nervous like really I, I was I was a little bit I'll be real I should have played with like, him a little bit no. then like what do you mean you oh want to talk gosh. about blackness dude if you if you <laughs> would have played with me in that moment. I, like my whole world would have been done. I would have just been like, "Nope, I'm done. I'm gonna have like uh, no more conversations. I'm gonna call no. my other friends." Uh-huh. Like, no, I, there was there was a, a, an amount of like uncomfortability where yeah. I was like, "I don't know how this how this is gonna be handled." And I'm yeah. I'm so thankful that you're you're like one of those friends who's mm-hmm. like, "Hey, if I say something that's out of line, it's like, hey yeah. man, I probably wouldn't say it that way." Yeah. Uh, like I, I appreciate that that about our friendship. Um, but and don't I, let yeah. that stop you. And, yeah. and you you might actually reach out to someone and get attitude or somebody that I don't want to yep. talk. Don't let that stop you. It might yep. it might hurt a little bit to the to the ego, but yeah. keep keep asking yep. until you get someone that will give you a yes. Yep. That's it. It's so yeah, it's so true. Like I think about that like the thing you said before, like engage in that uncomfortable like you can give me 10 minutes. Yeah. I've had this this whole give me life. 10 minutes. Like uh, you, you can face one rejection mm. and it be okay. Mm. You you can find someone else who says, you know what? Yeah, you want to learn? I'll tell you. Because like I, I can read every book. I can watch every documentary. I can watch all the movies. But having a conversation with someone who lives it yeah. is 100% more beneficial because, again, that, that has nothing behind it. It's just conversation. It's learning from someone else's story, and mm. that's, that's so important to do. And so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's some good stuff. Um, well, these are some things to think about. Mm-hmm. I think any questions that you had? Man, yeah. uh, you know, I told you I was going to write I'm gonna write down all these no, questions. You're good. I guess I would want to know, I, you kind of touched on it, mm-hmm. but what do, why do you think this moment is so important to to white Americans or white people, period. Why do you think people have gravitated to this much mm. more so than they have in the past, in your personal opinion? Yeah, man, I think I think mostly it's because, one, it's getting so much attention now. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's one of those things where somebody can hold a picture in front of your face, mm. but from 10 feet, and you think, ah, like, I don't have to deal with it. Yeah. Somebody can hold it up from five feet, and you can be like, ah, I can look at something else. But if something holds in front of your face like this, you have to address it. You can't look away from it. And yeah. so the the society that we live in now, we have so much exposure to everything. Um, yeah. We're seeing this in a million different media outlets. We're mm-hmm. seeing it on social media. We're seeing it on TV. You're trying to stream a movie on Hulu, and you get an <laughs> ad that pops up. Like it, It's, it's yeah. constantly being presented to us. And so I think that's changing the awareness aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But I think like what you've said before, I, I think that this generation has a different view of 
the the history behind all of yeah. this. They've sat in classrooms with black classmates. They've played on sports teams mm-hmm. with them. They've had them in their homes in yeah. a lot of cases. They've sat at dinner tables with them. And then they look on the TV and they look on their social media feed and they see George Floyd and they see Ahmaud Arbery and they see Breonna Taylor and they see mm-hmm. Trayvon and they see all of these different like black individuals who have faced this and they finally are just kind of saying, you know what? Like, Maybe this is wrong. Yeah. Maybe this has gotten to a place where where we don't need to be cool with this anymore. Yeah. Where at least we don't need to be silent about this anymore. Yeah. And I think you're seeing that with with this generation that's coming up, and they're saying, you know what? It's actually it's time to say something about this, and it's time to actually see that this has changed in our lifetime. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's that's really unique about the current generation is they're not so focused on the present that they can't think, what's it going to be like when my kids grow up in this? What's it going to be like 10 years down the road when I'm trying to get a job and I'm having to answer questions like this? I'm having to think about these things in the way that I, you know, pursue marriage, pursue Mm -hmm. relationships in adulthood. I think they're seeing it now and they're saying, we we have to do something about where we're at. Um, So yeah, that's, that's kind of the thing that I'm seeing most right now with them. That's good. Yeah. That's yeah. good. That's good. So with that, um, we will kind of bring the conversation to a close. This is turned into like the friend talk with yeah. a camera and lights in front of us. But like, uh, but yeah, th- this is one of those things. This is one of those conversations. And I think it's important to understand that this is one conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not all it takes. Um, that that. That is one brick in the house that we're trying to build of a future where racial inequality and racial injustice mm-hmm. and even like the the racial homogenous communities that we live in mm-hmm. where like everybody's the same color, everybody's the same viewpoint, everybody votes for the same person. Like this is one of those conversations and the million conversations that need to take place Absolutely. in order to see that future played out. Um and so, yeah, students, if you have more questions about this, we would love to answer those questions at some point. Send them to me. I'd love to connect you to Jamichael. I, man, like we talked about it last time we had lunch together, but like I'm going to have you preach on a Wednesday night for us. Hey, like none but a call. For sure. For sure. Um, and so anytime that you guys have these questions, please come to somebody who desires to understand. Go to your parents even. Uh, I know a lot of the parents in this ministry would be very capable of answering questions like this, which is really encouraging. Um, but yeah, that's that's all we got for us. Man, Jermichael, thanks so much for, for coming on with us. Uh, I really appreciate it, man. Thank I, you like, for having me, dude, yeah. for sure. And I enjoyed it. I always do. Yeah, man, this is great. Thank you, guys. We love it, yeah. Uh, but until next time, um, hopefully not a next time for a conversation yeah. like this. We're going to talk about something new next yeah, time. Yeah, we're going to talk about something new <laughs> next time. But, uh, but until next time, we'll... Uh, we'll talk to you later.